Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we have to come and study together. Thank you, Lord, for preserving us throughout this past week. Thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to study. And we ask and invite your Holy Spirit to please be with us. Guide us with your Spirit, O Lord. Teach us from your Word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in Hebrews eleven twenty nine. Let's turn our Bibles there. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 29. The Bible says this, By faith they, speaking of the children of Israel, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. Now look, the Red Sea Exodus is really probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous story in all the Bible. But it is an important experience. Why? Because Hebrews 11, it actually mentions that specific experience. And what's very interesting is, this is the only story mentioned about the Israelites in their desert wanderings. The very next story is their entrance into Canaan and their first conquest of the city of Jericho, which is what we'll study next week. But there's no other story. Um, the, the, the faith in um, the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, it doesn't mention anything else about the children of Israel going round and round in the desert or even the Ten Commandments or anything else. That's it. So look, let's go back to this Red Sea experience in Exodus. And we're going to start just a short time before the Red Sea is parted and the Israelites are coming out of Egypt. The ten plagues have fallen already. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12 starting in verse 29. Exodus 12, verse 29. And it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians that... And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not an house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, get you forth from among my people, uh, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. So finally, Pharaoh learns his lesson and lets the children of Israel go. Verse 17 of Exodus 13 now. Okay, so let's go over to Exodus 13 and verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said what? Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Verse 18. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now look, when the Israelites, they were coming out of Egypt, there really was a direct route that they could have taken straight to the land of Canaan, but they didn't. They took a seemingly detour. Why? God had good reason. He didn't want them to go through the land of the Philistines lest they came out and the Philistines saw, oh, this group of people, they're slaves. They're running away from their masters. Let's go and attack them and bring them back to Egypt. No, 
God did not want them to see war. They had just come out. And so he wanted them to go through in peace. He led them through the wilderness of the Red Sea. Did the children know that? We're not sure that God told them that they had better go a different way because of that. We're not sure if God actually informed them. The only person who probably knew the way around Egypt was Moses. Okay, the Israelites, they didn't know. They, they had been slaves in Egypt. They didn't know where they were going. They were just following this pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, right? And they, in essence, they were following Moses. Moses, look, he was the only one that knew this area, okay? Number one, he had just come from Midian, all right? So they were going back towards that way. He had just come from Midian. And secondly, he was a general before and he would have known the whole, all of the surrounding areas of Egypt. Why? He had to. It was his job. And I don't think 40 years of not being there would have changed his understanding of this route or the route that um, he would have taken. So definitely Moses knew. Exodus 13 and verse 20. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by a pillar, by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So God from the beginning, He had been their leader. When they came out of Egypt in the Exodus, he was a leader by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire by day and by night. And Moses, he was just following this pillar of cloud and fire, but he was probably following it with quite a bit of trepidation, with a bit of anxiety. He was worried. Why? He knew the route that they needed to take, the path that they needed to take from Egypt to Canaan. He knew. And it seems now that this pillar of cloud and fire takes this detour. He knew the landscape and he knew that God was leading them to a dead end. So he was probably getting pretty anxious. He needed faith to trust God, that God knew what he was doing. Even though humanly speaking, they were coming to a dead end. Exodus 14, verses 2 and 3. Look at this. Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pihahiroth between Migdol and the sea over against Baal-zephon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. Look, they really did come to a dead end. God led them this way on purpose. Yes, he told Moses maybe that, don't go that way. I don't want them to fight against the Philistines. But how was this any better? They were coming to a dead end. And yes, the all-knowing God, he seemed to get them lost in his navigation. You know, when we're in the heat of trials, and the experiences that we go through. That's what we think sometimes, isn't it? 
God, you made a mistake. That's how we really think. You made a mistake of leading me to this country, to this course of study, to this church, to this person, whatever it might be. We, we, we think that sometimes God leads us and he, he, he leads us in such a mighty way and then we come to a dead end. And we, we end up thinking, God, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to do this? And it seems like God leads us to this point where there's no way out. Now, of course, when we take a step back and we assess the situation, when we take away our emotions and our feelings and our stresses and all our anxieties and worries, we know that when we reason it out, we know that God does not make mistakes. The God who's looking from above, He does not get lost just like that. So, We know that he doesn't do that, but in the heat of it, that's how we feel sometimes. So in this time of distress and seemingly anxious moments, as God leads them to this place where the wilderness is going to shut them in and lead them to a dead end, this is where God is about to perform one of his greatest miracles. And friends, that might be the case for you right now, this evening, as you're sitting here listening to this. You might think, God, why did you do this? Or why are you allowing this to happen to me? And it seems like everywhere I turn is a bad situation. You've got to learn to trust God. Trust Him. Not like how the Israelites would respond, but we've got to learn to trust Him. Even though He leads us to the place where there's no way out. And yes, we like to sing the song sometimes, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. But when it actually happens to us, we get really stressed. And Moses, of all the people, were getting stressed the most because he knew, he knew where God was leading from the beginning. He knew that they'd made made a, a seeming wrong turn down south and instead of taking the most direct path, to the land of the Philistines and where where Canaan was, of course. But look, Exodus 14, verse 4. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Look, before we continue on with the story, I want to look at this issue of the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Did God really harden Pharaoh's heart? Did he really manipulate Pharaoh and cause him to be lost and not be saved and not have the chance of salvation? Did did God really use Pharaoh for a wicked purpose to prove his point? All these questions that surround the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, you know, it seems that way because that's exactly what the Bible says. God said, I would harden Pharaoh's heart. And you know, this is not the first time we actually see it. Actually, it's used quite a number of times before while the plagues were falling. And look, friends, in the parable of the sower, as we look at this issue about whether God really did harden Pharaoh's heart or not, when you look at the parable of the sower, the parable of the four grounds, where this man was throwing his seed out and it fell on all four grounds, look, there is no distinction between the quality of the seed that is used. The seed is all the same. It's scattered on all the four different grounds. The difference 
it depended upon what? The quality of the soil, the reception of the seed, the condition of that soil and what it was like. Pharaoh's heart getting hard is not a deliberate act of God, but rather a choice that he himself made. The repeated plagues from 1 to 10 were, were, were given to impress Pharaoh's heart of a God that was in control and to, to help him to see that God was merciful because every time he took it away when Pharaoh asked. God was trying to save Pharaoh, to soften and subdue his heart. But every time the plague was taken, what happened? Pharaoh changed his mind and his heart got harder. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 6. Samuel actually writes about this, but it's not Samuel speaking here. The people that are speaking here are the Philistines, pagans, heathen people that don't know God. And they're speaking about the situation that took place in Egypt about the 10 plagues. This is what they say. 1 Samuel chapter 6 verse 6. Wherefore then do ye harden your hearts, as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go, and they departed? You see, Pharaoh is mentioned here about hardening his own heart through the choices that he made, and in spite of the fact that God was so real through the plagues that were manifested. The, the heathen people, the pagans, they could say, hey, Pharaoh hardened his heart didn't say, oh, God twisted Pharaoh's heart and made it hard. No, they realized that through the choices that Pharaoh was making, he was hardening his heart over and over again, not learning his lesson. Look, friends, God is not willing that any should be, be lost. Ezekiel 33 verse 11 says this of God. Ezekiel 33 verse 11. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? God has no pleasure in the death of any of the wicked. He wants everybody to repent. He wanted Pharaoh to repent as well. So what is the problem? The sun shines on the good and the bad. The problem is not the sun. The sun's rays are not any different on clay and wax, but the effect is different. One gets harder, the clay, and the other gets softer, the wax. And so repeated rejection of clear evidence from God that he was in control and that there was some higher being that Pharaoh was fighting against and not Moses, that caused Pharaoh's heart to get hard, okay? But look, God tells Moses that the children of Israel in Exodus 14, 4, that, that Pharaoh's heart will be hard and that he would come and chase after them and bring them back into Egypt. They knew from God that Pharaoh would chase after them. You would think that knowing in advance would help their situation, right? God told Moses, tell the children of Israel, Pharaoh's heart would be hard and he would come and chase after you. And not only did God say that Pharaoh was coming, but God also told them that he would be honored when this would happen. 
he would rise above it and his name would be magnified. In other words, what was God saying? Pharaoh will come, chase after you, but don't worry. I will take care of you. You would think that they would have all the faith in the world. You would think that they would go, okay, thank you, God, right? But look at what actually happens. Exodus 14, verse 10. Exodus 14, verse 10. <clears throat> and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried un out unto the Lord, and they said to Moses, look at this, because there were no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians that, than that we should die in the wilderness. Look at that. Can you imagine how Moses must be feeling? He just told them, I already told you. Pharaoh is going to come, but don't worry, God will take care of you. And at the first sign of trouble, they become unreasonable. Why did you take us out of Egypt? Why did you do that? It's better for us to serve the Egyptians than for us to die here in this wilderness. They had forgotten the word of God. The children of Israel were still weak in faith. They were still growing. And God was still patient with them. Now do you know why Moses... He had to go for 40 years into the wilderness and learn to be able to deal with this type of unreasonableness, not to react. He could have thrown God's words right back at him. Did you forget? I told you, right? But no, Moses had learned his lesson from the plagues. He had seen that God would be with them and that God would not work all these 10 plagues to take them out of Egypt only to let them be killed in the wilderness. It doesn't make sense, you know, friends. And sometimes we just got to reason with ourselves and the situation. Look, God does not bring you out of the world, bring conversion into your life, turn you from worshipping idols and heathen gods and, and from being a pagan and bring you into the church only to leave you and give you a worse life. God does not have that sort of intention, you know. God wants to bless us. He wants to be with us. He wants to give us the best life possible. Yes, even on this earth, He wants to have His name magnified, surely. But more than that, He will take care of you. That's His desire. That's what He wants to do. God does not bring us out from the world only, only to destroy us in the church. No, we've got to have a better idea and better thought of God, friends. This is where faith becomes really important. But now, let's continue. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall not see them again, no more, forever. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Even then, Moses, he's trying to inspire faith in the children of Israel. He understands that, look, they're being unreasonable, but he doesn't 
react. And you know, friends, that I think is a is one of the probably the most important lesson that Moses had to learn when he was in the wilderness, not to react when bad situations happened, but to still think of the best and to inspire faith. You know, friends, Moses is growing as a leader. And he says what? Fear not. Stand still. You won't have to fight. God will fight for us. Verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Let's jump down to verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Moses did the bulk of the work. He held up his hands, and the Red Sea went back. Look, of course, the children of Israel, they still had to walk by faith and walk through that, 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 that path that had been made for them in the middle of the sea. It wasn't that easy, you know, friends. You've you, you got, you got to imagine with me. This is the first time any sea has been parted. And they had to trust that when they walked in, the wall on either side would still be held up. Do you see that? No one had ever walked through a sea on dry ground before. This was their first time. And God was building their faith, teaching them to trust in Him. You know, friends, we got to learn to follow Jesus wherever He goes, even in the midst or between the seas. You know, sometimes the most difficult times is then to hold on to God and to trust Him. God, you brought us to this dead end. You brought us to this place. Uh, you're meant to be the God that knows everything. And you brought us to this dead end and now you want us to walk through the sea? Friends, that takes faith, you know, to continue to trust in God even when He led you to a dead end. And then not only that, now He wants you to do something that no one else has ever done. Walk through this wall of sea on both sides. Do you see that? They still had to make a decision to trust in God. Look, some say, hey, they had no other choice. Well, they did. They could have surrendered to the Egyptians and gone back, right? And that's the thing sometimes we do, friends. We, we get to this point where we've had enough of following God. It's too stressful following Him, not knowing that there's a miracle that's happening right before us and He's opening up the Red Sea before us. And instead we go back to our old life of sin. Do you see that? It takes faith and God was building their faith as well. Exodus 14, 23. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. 
and took off their chariot wheels and they drave them heavily. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. And the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. You know, the Israelites did not even have to lift a single finger to fight. God really fought for them. What did they have to do? All they had to do was walk. All they had to do was believe. They weren't equipped for war. They weren't trained for it. God gave them no such instruction. Their only instruction was what? Walk through the Red Sea. And they obeyed. You know, He showed them that they didn't need to fight. All they had to do on this occasion was to step out by faith and walk. Verse 31, And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Do you see that? What was the result? The result was they feared the Lord and they believed the Lord and Moses. They had some sort of belief before. Otherwise, they would not have gone through the Red Sea. But now their faith increased even more. They believed even more. Their faith was now established in this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. It was established in Moses as their leader. It was established in the Lord as their Redeemer and their Savior. But look at how Paul describes this Red Sea experience. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. You know, when they went through this Red Sea experience, you know, they didn't have baptism in the Old Testament. Baptism is a thing of the New Testament, started by John the Baptist. That's why his, he was named so. But Paul says, hey, they were baptized. When they went through the Red Sea, there was a cloud over them, which is made of water. It was God, of course, but it was a cloud nonetheless. And then on either side was water. They were covered. You see that? They were baptized by going through this Red Sea experience. And you know, friends, the lesson that we learn from this is this. We should be experiencing God and exercising faith in His Word before we get baptized. Doesn't mean that we will, that there's no more lessons of faith to learn. No, I mean, straight away you will see, if you re keep reading in Exodus, um, that they begin to complain again. There are still lessons of faith to learn, but... They have renounced Egypt. That last opportunity to go back to Egypt was right there, and they move forward through the Red Sea experience. 
It was only as the Israelites heeded the word of God and walked through that they were baptized. Friends, faith, belief in the word of God is essential to baptism. It's not just about attending church, but you've got to get to this point where you're willing to depend upon the word of God and the word of God for your life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, this is how these two come together, faith and baptism. Mark 16, verse 16, the Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Faith is not only essential for baptism, it's essential for salvation, friends. So, look, friends, I hope that you're seeing that it's not works that we have to focus on first. It's faith. Is works important? Absolutely. If all they had was faith, oh God, I believe you, but I just want to stay here on the other side of the seashore from the Red Sea, and they didn't walk through the sea, they would have been lost. If they said, I believe you, God, but I don't put the, the blood on the doorpost, they would have lost their firstborn. Do you see that? So faith and works must blend together, but faith and faith alone saves. We are saved by grace through faith. Faith can move mountains. Faith can give us the strength to have victory over our enemy, the devil, and sin. And in this case, the Egyptians. And so friends, where do we have to focus on today? It is faith. By faith, the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea, by which they were saved. All they had to do was walk. And today, we got to walk by faith and not by sight. Too often we look at the forbidding circumstances around us and we make a conclusion based upon that, not realizing that God was the one that said, go this way, now walk that way. Friends, what do we need to focus on today? Faith. In John chapter 6 and verse 28 and 29, two men came up to Jesus, well, a few of them, they came up to Jesus and said this in verse 28, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They wanted to do something great for God. And sometimes as Christians, we're like that. God, what do you want me to do? Thank you for saving me. What do you want me to do? What was Jesus' response? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Jesus says, you got to believe. This is the work that you have to do. you got to believe that I am the Savior. And if we believe that Jesus really is God, we'll believe every word he says. So really, our, our challenge today is trusting God and his word. Even when it seems the whole world is going a different direction. Today, we've got to believe that He loves us and that every word that He wants us to follow, it's for our good. Today, He, he, he wants us to trust Him even though it seems like He's leading us down a dead end. 
And Moses, he could have said, I've been there before. I know where this is going. God, stop. But he tells us, trust me. He wants us to trust him even though it makes us walk through the valley with water on both sides, the valley of the shadow of death. We can learn to fear no evil. Why? Because not only is he the one that opened the way for us, but he's the one that's right there beside us, leading us and telling us, go this way. Friends, are you willing to trust the word of God, even though it goes against what you know and what you believe? You know, it's so easy to say, yes, 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 I'm willing to trust God. But friends, go back and read the word of God and see where your life is out of harmony with his word. See where you're falling short. And maybe you're realizing, God, I'm not where I should be with my faith. And then you get on your knees and say, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because it is faith that can move the mountain. It is faith that gives us the victory. And today we've got to believe His Word. And as we believe it, and it's written in our hearts and minds, God will work in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. So friends, the greatest challenge always, as I hope that you've been understanding as we've been studying for weeks now on faith, is really how much we actually believe. May God strengthen our faith today to trust Him, even when it seems like we know better. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we struggle with our faith because sometimes we don't look through the eyes of faith. We look through our own literal eyes of what we see, and we see Egyptians. We see water before us. We see walls on either side, and we think that there's no way out, and so we let go, and we leave and go back to Egypt. Father, please help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to hold on to you. Help us, Lord, to never let go. Teach us what it means to truly believe with all our heart. Lord, if we are struggling with our faith today, may you please strengthen it. Help us to go back to your word, to continue to read it again, so that those words might be written in our hearts and that the more we spend time with it, the easier it will get to believe. And so, Lord, Help us in this journey of faith that we're going through, that we'll learn to walk by faith today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.